your first rodeo. <laughs> no, I've done this twice. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Matt. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. And this is our weekly podcast where we... Let me go back. I so, like it. No, some people like to say Dayton. Like Dayton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. And this is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Ross. What's up? <laughs> hey, that's my line. <laughs> Dude, Jeff's got to get a, another uh, trick or another pony or something. to. Howdy, Biggins. <laughs> he, 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 it's all he does is make fun of me oh. on that one. Fortunately, you can take a good-natured ribbing and not require a whole paper, defending our use of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so, yeah, what's up? That's my words. All right, so this sermon this week was titled, Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend, from Luke chapter 2, and apparently most of Malachi. Most of Malachi. <laughs> I was wondering which passage we were in on Sunday as I was listening. Um. It felt like a lot of Malachi there. Now, Luke 2 is setting up the series, and of course, it's always um, fun and a challenge to kind of jump into, yeah. even into a new book of the Bible, let alone a series that you know, at least as a speaker, a preacher, you're going to be in there for like four weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks, two weeks, whatever, and you you've... You're debating how much setup do I do, how much setup do I not do. And when it's Christmas when you might not need no setup. <laughs> and you're and you're jumping right into the middle of a book and you know that like at least in this series, next week is not gonna be walking on through the rest of Luke chapter two, you know? And well, and on and on and on. <laughs> well I, well it's not like the yeah. whole, we're not spending all four weeks in Luke two. Yep. Uh so that just that's a challenge, and um, we're going to assume lots of context and lots of things and mm-hmm. just try to pull in the con- contextual uh, items that we think are pertinent to our particular people um, and assume a lot. So I hope our people you know, are um, along for that ride. Um, so uh, your points on Sunday was darkness hangs heavy, the Lord hears, and the light breaks in. Mm-hmm. So, again, I wanted to encourage you to send in your questions. Uh, we have one that came in that I'm excited to answer. I think will be a, f- a fun thing to answer. But, um, all right, Russ, well, what was the like the first thing that you had on your mind that uh, coming out of uh, Sunday for us? Well, to, to your point of it being the beginning of a new series, one of the challenges that I frequently find in preaching in general is that it's persuasive by nature, right? So we're, we are trying to command the will in our preaching. And there's a sense that I often get in preaching where I feel like I'm trying to convince you of the most basic thing, like to be happy or to be joyful. And so I feel like this week for, for Christmas and for Advent, it's like if I have to tell you to be joyful, and that's an evidence that you're not at peace, and, and there's a good chance that you might not be a, belie- a believer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The believers are the ones who, in this passage, uh, and, and Luke are being called to peace. You have peace between your God and yourself. And so, on on the more likely end, it's what I was trying to emphasize this week. You don't recognize or remember the darkness you were brought from. Yeah. 
the peace that you do have because you forgot that you weren't at peace. But overall, I shouldn't have to tell you to be joyful. Yeah. Yeah. I, you said, um, uh, have you forgotten the darkness? You know, and I remember sitting in a home group one time with a lady who now has gone off the rails, but she said to me, well, you know, I was saved at such a young age. I can't really remember how bad of a Christian I was. And, and I hope, and maybe if she's, you know, spying on this podcast, I hope she hears me say this, but, um, hopefully she can see her darkness now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, everyone else with eyes to see around her can. And, uh, but that, that's a fundamental misunderstanding. I mean, uh, by, by the way, for the more sensitive hearts, I, I mean that with love. I hope this person can see their, the evil. So you, you hope that they will repent is, is yes. literally what you're saying is literally what I'm saying. So, um, but anyways, moving on, um, it's, we're out of November. So I guess I need a caveat here. <laughs> um, the problem with that is that if it were, you're, what you're saying is that, and, and I, I wish I would have known this at the moment, but they're saying, uh, because I haven't experienced, uh, that darkness, uh, and can recollect it, then I can't know things about it. Mm. I cannot know it, which is interesting now because I think in this particular person's life experience your own personal experience is the authority and everyone else has to bow to that, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a component of critical theory. I, I wish I'd have seen it back then um, and, I, and would have been able to name it. But the Bible tells us about that darkness. And that's what really you spent a lot of the sermon doing was saying, hey, this is that darkness and you should recognize this darkness. This is not just a subjective experiential thing, although it certainly is experienced. Um but the Bible has something to say about the darkness from which we have come, the mm -hmm. darkness that we are in, the darkness that surrounds us, and the darkness that we will be in for the future, mm -hmm. but also the darkness that was revealed. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, not, not revealed, but uh, taken away. Yes. Um, the darkness that was dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also darkness that wasn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, that had my thought there. Yeah. But back to your... Uh, tell people to be joyful and <laughs> uh then maybe you're not at peace um yeah i i don't i guess i don't know what more to say about that generally the the, the challenge with, with coaching people bring people along whether that's you're training your family or whether it's you know leadership in the church or, or whatever it is yeah is to remind people of what they came from like yeah that's we saw that throughout Joshua, and we can't forget mm -hmm. that. That's the point of the stones of remembrance. That's the, the point of the piles of rocks. And so when you have people who are in a state right now, of whatever state that might be, in order to help them usually move through that, we look back and see what God has done. Right? And remember the God of our fathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so in doing that, we're imaging what God is doing. Yeah. He looks back and he remembers. Yeah. Right? And, so well, he, and he acts faithfully in covenant. Yeah, well, I think you could even maybe expound on that to say, like, God always acts having always looked back. Mm -hmm. And by that, what I mean is God is simply carrying out the decrees of eternity past. Mm -hmm. So he is always, every next step that he is doing is always a hearkening back to the decrees that he made 
in eternity past that know no beginning, mm-hmm. right? So he's hearkening back to things, ideas, plans that have no beginning, yet he remembers those and he moves forward. Yep. But I think that's hard for us in our particular moment in time, not just because we have a despise for history, um, a disdain, or at least a uh, um, indifference mm-hmm. towards history. We are also on the trajectory of rewriting mm. past history as if we can do that. That's a good point. Yeah. Right? And we care little for the past because we also care little for the future mm-hmm. because all we care about in general is the moment. And even in the moment, we don't care about the objective reality around us. We care about how we feel. Yep. So that's chief. So if that's chief in our minds, in our hearts, in the way we act, and, and I think we're all tempted at that as well. Not, I, don't think, I don't think that's just a world, world pagan problem. I no, think, it's 100% a Christian problem, too. I think that's where we're at here. So then how much space do you have... And and what kind of um, what kind of uh, weight then is given in your daily operations to to harken back to history? Yeah, because the opposite extreme is also a temptation for us, and that Christians will act as if God hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, and so they're still in that Malachi. You're, you know, God is is accusing them. He's saying. You say this about me. You say this about me. You complain these things about me. Look what I've done. Yeah. Look what I'm going to do. And then so for us Christians today, we look back as if God hasn't done anything. And Christmas is the in-your-face reminder that, no, the one has come. Yeah. The, the Lord has come. He's put on flesh. Yeah. God is here. Yeah. And so that has to change not just something, everything. Has changed everything. You know, I've I've often thought, this in ministry as a leader of people that you can give your life to serve a person, a people, a family, a tribe, whatever. Uh, And then as soon as you've um, done something they don't like, said something or not done something that they wanted you to do, so on and so forth, it's like all of that history is just deleted. Like, where did it go? Mm -hmm. And it's hard not to be, as a minister of the gospel, to not be jaded by that. Sure. And then just to say, well, then, forget you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to serve myself. And if you happen to be blessed by that, then great. If not, then we're just going to move on. Because I I saw that, you know, when I was in Kentucky and I served with with Mark. Um, uh, He, man, just laid his life down for people like very few other pastors I've I've genuine like i've known i mean as you see pastors who who will do all the hospital visits and they'll do but but a lot of times they're doing that just because like they just want to be the the savior mm-hmm. because what happens is those guys tend to be guys who also don't say hard things mm-hmm. mark did both mark would give you the shirt off his back and every penny he owned and you didn't even have to ask mm-hmm. mark would also tell you when you were screwing up mm-hmm. and call you to repentance and he would do it just as quickly as he would give you the shirt off his back. <laughs> he was consistent in both places. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I love that about him. People would drop him like he was hot, like a hot potato, as soon as he touched on that one thing that they didn't want him to touch. Yeah. 
It finally went a little too far. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying I am as model of a leader as he was in those ways, but I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that with you and, and so on. And I've even seen, if I put myself on the other side of this, I see myself oftentimes when I get frustrated with people, that it's really easy for me to forget the history leading up to that moment. Mm-hmm. When, when I, what I need to, what usually is very helpful, particularly with when I get frustrated with the people that are closest to me, is for me to stop and remember well, well, what has the past 20 years looked like with mm-hmm. that person? Yeah. Does that not count for anything? Mm-hmm. Like, Because at that moment, my heart's ruling me. Reasoning has gone out the door. Mm-hmm. But then when I begin to think about it, mm-hmm. and I go, hang on. The past five years haven't said that. Yeah. Why am I projecting all of this future worries on this one thing when the past says nothing of it? Yeah, the patience and waiting in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, the patience of waiting on your emotions to get out of the way and to become um, submissive to reality. Well, and, and let's say that you were genuinely wrong, too, which I think is mostly what you're talking about. The patience to get out of the way and let the spirit work on that person. Mm-hmm. Like, give them a minute, you know. <laughs> let, <laughs> let God be like, be as gracious to them as, you know, you expect God to be with you to work on your heart. Yeah. That's that same measure that you judge others will be judged by. So if we mm-hmm. can't, yeah, give them a minute to be worked on by the Holy Spirit, then uh, we shouldn't expect them to do that with us. You, yeah. you know, in my in my household, um, I, but maybe not as frequently as I should or would like to, but I regularly uh, say, at least a couple times a week, uh, choose joy. And... I'm not saying what you're saying here because mm-hmm. you, I think, are in the category of like a more extreme. Um, you're just a joyless person. At least I think that's the category you're talking about. Like M- me or the people that I'm talking to, <laughs> the, pe- the, the people that you're talking to are just joyless people. That, that can that, be the, the tend to feel, yeah, especially when you're preaching, you know. Yeah. Like if I have to tell you to be joyful, then you you probably don't know who joy is, mm-hmm. right? Um, hopefully you notice what I did with my reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm saying in my house to people who, who do love the Lord, mm-hmm. choose joy, what I'm telling them to do is to r- remember Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm telling them to remember multiple things, but at, at its chief end, I'm telling them to remember that Christ is still Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was the Lord that went to the cross to purchase your redemption. And it was the Lord who went to the cross to conquer the grave. And that Lord then went to the throne and so you can choose joy. And all of this puts you at what with God? At peace. At peace. Right. That, that's where the joy comes from. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if, you're, if you cannot, no matter the difficulty of the situation, if you cannot find joy in the midst of whatever the circumstance is, when you think about the things that I just said, Christ the Lord, 
going to the cross, purchasing your redemption, um, conquering the grave, ascending to the throne. Mm -hmm. If that does not begin to at least crack the sky open so that joy could enter into your darkness, then... That's, That's my point. Yeah. Then you have too high a view... Of yourself and your circumstances. Because you're not in darkness now. Yeah. And too low a view of what was done for you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Too low. Now, I'm not saying in that moment, it just, all the tears are wiped away like they will be the day we see him. Because sure. I think part of the reason they'll be wiped away the day we see him is because we will get it. And right now we're trying to get it. But I'm saying to some measure, like the woman who goes through childbirth and then has her child in her hand. I mean, I just saw this two months ago. Yeah. Like, at that moment, her body's still in pain, but the pain receptors are eclipsed by the joy of holding her child. But if you ask most people right now whether their life is full of light or darkness right now, they're going to be doing the complaints of Malachi saying that darkness is still here. Yeah. It's not. Not for you, Christian. Not not for you. Well, and even though we war against darkness and are surrounded by darkness, we are indwelt by light. Yes. So, which which is the greater eternal reality for you and I? Oh, yeah. First John has a lot to say about that right now. <laughs> yes. So, that outweighs. So, yes, we can mourn. Yes, we can be saddened by the darkness around us. Mm-hmm. And it's real. It, yes. It, we don't have to ignore it. We can put it in one hand. But in the other hand, something that is weightier is the fact that there is no longer no darkness mm-hmm. for you. Yep. And so then you can joyfully engage the darkness mm-hmm. that's around you. Yep. You got it. There you go. So I think the the next thing that that I I wanted to uh, press in on, particularly in this first sermon, and and you laid all of the dots out there for this. <laughs> I just I'm gonna I'm gonna connect one two three four five and six here, but if you going back to the passage, um, he says uh, verse eight, and in the same re- the to Luke because it was the passage, not Malachi, but. Uh, he says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Right, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So there's your fearlessness and your joy. Well, I did say that that fear is not that fear. That fear is, hey, don't be spooked by me, I'm an angel. Yes. But then I did say that the fearlessness comes from the Lord. <laughs> yes. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For un- Why? Right? For unto you this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So you don't need, you don't need to fear me. And I think we can extrapolate that out. That this, there is a general fearlessness for God's people. Mm-hmm. Right, even though I don't like that church named Fearless because that's a goofy <laughs> name, but uh, I'm I'm sure in ten years they'll regret it. But um, uh, well, well, maybe not because usually churches get stuck. Yeah. So, 
or something. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, we digress. Um, fearlessness and joy. Why? For unto you this day, for for born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we see three times in a very short order the Lordship of Christ Mm -hmm. as the foundation for godly fearlessness and solid joy. Mm -hmm. That, That has got to be at the root, at the foundation. Yeah of how we walk through this world in pursuit of the glory of God and doing so with fearlessness and joy. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not rooted in Christ the Lord, then it will be rooted or founded in many other lords of which cannot bear the weight yeah, you of see fearlessness that and joy. Played out left and right right now in the news is the general instability if you were to ask most people is whether they're blue or red is going to be just an unsurety in government of lead, of lordship of leadership. Yeah. And so the, for those who have stability of lordship of leadership, we know who is king and we know what kind of king he is yeah. and we know as we'll see in coming weeks the effectiveness of this king. Yeah. And there's there's no shaking whatsoever. Yeah. We're going to see how does he and why does he get to execute the lordship his lordship in a way that should foster fearlessness and joy mm-hmm. from his divinity and his sovereignty and so on. Um, but you know, back to your government comment, what has happened there is the government has assumed the role of Lord, mm-hmm. right? And our earthly lords. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they assume mm-hmm. higher than they're given. Yeah, absolutely. They've assumed the role and we've given him that. Uh, part of the way we give him that is by paying too much in taxes like we do. And theft. God, uh, anyone who would assume to take more of our money than the Lord expects us to give uh, is assuming themselves Lord and stepping into the place of the high king. Uh, So they fancy themselves Lord and then all the lords that we construct as well. And so, yeah, it's certainly security, fear, anxiety is going to be wrapped up in whoever we believe to be the most powerful and it doesn't matter who we believe to be the most powerful, if it's anything other than God, mm-hmm. there is there can be nothing but some measure of instability and mm-hmm. fear and anxiety and stuff that's going to come from that. Yep. So, there you go. What's your next thought? Um, <clears throat> so, in light of that, the, the, the big thing that I think that we can do as we reflect on this sermon of him being Lord, bringing us our fearlessness and bringing the joy that we have is those questions of, well, what, uh, what does that reveal? That's kind of where I landed with, uh, Luke two thirty four, is that when Simeon sees Jesus, uh, when, when <clears throat> Mary brings him to the temple, he says, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So I think what we want to see over Advent is that the coming Advent of this King, this Lord, is going to expose, uh, reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Yeah, that is going to bring just stuff out, and that's what we need to then deal with. And so, at least this week, uh, I was pressing in on the the waiting aspect, the trust of the fact that the King is here. We we 
feel that outer darkness that's around us. We're tempted to believe that the light that we are in right now is dark. It's not. And so how then are you waiting on the Lord right now? How are you being patient on the Lord when things seem to not be moving? How are you being faithful to move because he has brought you peace? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different things that we can sort through in there that we can repent of as we look forward to Christmas, um, at least in those aspects. And there's going to be more this coming week. But just because we're talking about an event of something that happened doesn't mean that this event doesn't make demands on us. Yeah. So there are things to repent of. <clears throat> yeah. Even good. in a narrative. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, to that verse, and this is a great segue to the, one of the questions that was written in. Yeah. He says, and 34, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many. You, you, you blocked my, I'm reading. Fall, go back to the other screen. Oh, this one. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. The rise, I saw the fall, sorry, the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed <clears throat> and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I have a, two quick thoughts. Let me get them out so I don't forget them. Um, well, I, okay. I'm actually gonna have to read the question here. Let me read this question that was written in, and then I'm gonna try to remember the two thoughts I just had. What attitudes and desires should we cultivate this season and beyond toward family members and friends, coworkers, etc., that are still in darkness? If they are enemies of God, they should be our enemies too, right? But. But then when we were still sinners and enemies of God, he felt and acted in compassion by mercifully sending his son to us to die and was willing to experience pain on our behalf. Man, that's, that's, that's a great question. So here's, here's um, at least one of the thoughts that I can remember now is... <laughs> that was so fast. I know. It, they just leave me. And I don't have a way to write it down right now. One of those thoughts is um, we need to not confuse in this moment and this question the idea of being respected, liked, approved of, agreeable, peaceable as necessary components of compassion. You can be compassionate when you are bold and direct and forthright. Mm -hmm. In our day, compassionate has to be all of the things that I just said. So, like, so example, so back to this question, and I was willing to experience, and, and he was willing to experience pain on our behalf. That, the, experiencing pain on someone's behalf can look like the pain of being shunned by them because you told them the truth. Because mm -hmm. so, so that's the thing. When, when Jesus did, he experienced that range of pain mm -hmm. on our behalf. I mean, ultimately, it's the pain of, was the wrath of God, but he also experienced the pain of disciples deserting him. Mm -hmm. He experienced the pain of the wrath of God on behalf of the people whom he was redeeming. He also experienced the pain of those that did not accept him, mm -hmm. though he came for them, right? Yep. The Jews. So he was shunned and, and killed by them. So Jesus experienced this range of pain that, that we've got to be careful that we don't pigeonhole 
and define acceptable behavior in the midst of pagans by our modern, largely feminine sensibilities, mm-hmm. right? And listen, I'm not saying that those are those are bad. I'm just saying they're not the only option. Yeah. So meaning like, well, I I'm going to um, be more agreeable. I'm going to um, uh, be more soft on this. You know that there, there's times for that, and maybe at your Christmas dinner, it's that moment. Maybe that's the case. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the Man, the other thought came back to me, and now it has left my head. I'll try. Okay, go. <laughs> uh, one of the misnomers, I think, is that when we talk about, as Christians, having enemies, that we... Nope, no, you do your... <laughs> now. I, just, I just remembered. Go. Okay, all right. Can you remember? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I've been saying that... Um, I've said this in counseling multiple times in hard situations. I've been uh, have been saying, what is success in like the communication of truth? Mm-hmm. Is success the other person liking what you said? Because I think that's usually the definition. So I usually, for example, in preaching and counseling and random conversations, you know, here and there. I get accused of not choosing wisely my tone, my rhetoric, my all, all of that, and it's judged based on whether or not the person walks away convinced. Mm-hmm. And and I'm saying I, I don't. That's not the right judgment. Mm-hmm. You can't judge my faithfulness and my wisdom based on someone else's response. I mean. First of all, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing better than Paul because they haven't stoned you and dragged you out of the city for dead yet. Well, but they would have they a couple of years ago. Oh, they would have. Mm-hmm. And I think they still would today. <laughs> Except they fear the they government. They can't pick up rocks, though. They just fear the government. Sorry, more. that was <laughs> that was unnecessarily snarky. <laughs> what Rusty's trying to say is that they're weak. Uh, my bad. Maybe their women could. <clears throat> uh, both genders. Oh shoot! All right, we gotta get out of this hole before we dig it much deeper. Yeah. I was gonna. What I was gonna say was they fear the government more than I do. True, you know. But uh, so that that you can't judge that based on what can you judge it based on? And I think this verse gives a good helpful thing. So if you're thinking about how do I, what kind of desires and attitudes, and how do I act in the season amongst uh, those who are truly enemies of God. Go back to this verse 34. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will that, be opposed. That will be opposed. Now, okay, now let's just say, okay, well, that's Jesus. Yes, that's Jesus the Lord, whom has purchased your soul, mm-hmm. who owns you. Who, whom, of which you who, are in. Whom you are in and now bear his identity. Mm-hmm. All of it. Yes. Right? So that means you then are destined to be a part of this. Wait, unless you're the kind of, air quote, Christian who's still earning his salvation, apart from Jesus, you're not in him, right? Then, yeah, you stand on your own. Yes. Then you've got to earn there. Yeah. Okay. You know, this would make for a great new Rise and Fall podcast. I knew you were going to love this verse. (laughs) I brought it done for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I I meant what I said on Sunday. I don't remember reading this before. No, it's fantastic. I, I was like, did you put this in my Bible? No. no. I was, certainly we did. <laughs> you know. Anyways. And then and a sword will pierce your own soul. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is this is great, right? This Samaria. Yeah. Yeah. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So what so back to the how do we judge like faithful rhetoric amongst many things, but in my example, faithful rhetoric. Well, is it done in a way that the thoughts of many hearts are revealed? So when Jesus says, you know, to the guy to the rich young ruler, how can I be saved? And he says, well, go sell all of your riches and give it to the poor. Mm-hmm. Was Jesus successful? I mean, was his rhetoric poor? Mm. Was it bad? Did, was, he un, was he unloving? Was he ungentle? Was he, I mean, he, that guy was an enemy of God. And, and in that moment. We didn't moment, know that until. Right. We didn't know that until his response. Mm-hmm. And what was it? No, no, Jesus was super successful in that moment. Because what yeah. did it do? It revealed the thoughts of his heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, let me be clear here, was a grace to him. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't owe that to that man. Mm-hmm. He could have just been like, I don't know, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you deserve. Yep. But instead, he helped him see into his wicked heart, mm-hmm. to which he walked away sad because. He didn't trust Jesus, mm-hmm. and he worshipped these things. So, so I would say, what attitudes and desires should we cultivate this season toward family members and friends and coworkers who are still in darkness? Compassion. How do you be compassion? How do you be compassion? You be light. You, yeah, exactly. That light sometimes will look like biting your tongue. Sometimes it'll look like saying the hard thing. Mm-hmm. How do you know? How do you know what to say? My encouragement would be cultivate the attitude of walking in the Spirit, having studied your Bible, as you engage people. Yeah. yeah. So that in the moment, you have things like what I just said from the Scriptures will govern what you say. And free you up mm-hmm. to not feel like you have to be the the jerk. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, that you don't also have to be the the peaceable wimp over here. Yeah, like you 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 can do both. Mm-hmm. Like meaning both are options. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was half of what I was going to tackle is the aspect <laughs> of our enemies. We don't know who our enemies are in most cases. It's it's relatively yeah. rare, although it's becoming more common, for people to outright come out against God. Yeah. I can tell you, those people, those apostates, those are your enemies. Like, yeah. And you, you can and should treat them as such. Those yeah. are the ones, those the kings of the, the pagans that Joshua put his foot on their neck. The ones right? who, who are overtly and explicitly. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So like Hollywood. Yes. Those are your enemies. You should mm-hmm. put your foot on their necks. The state. Mm-hmm. So we know that for those, but the majority of who you're talking about, and particularly in this season, um, we don't know who our enemies are necessarily. What we do know and can find out is who's on our team. 
<laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. So to your point of like you don't you can bite your tongue, I, I agree, and in some cases you still should. But in most cases, what we're trying to do is light is going to spill. Now, to I think maybe to change your uh, the metaphor for your biting the tongue, um, you can be a five lumen <laughs> flashlight or you can be a million candle flashlight, right? Uh, you don't have to walk around at all times as the million candle flashlight. Uh, that's literally like an, an offensive weapon. Uh, it'll stop people. You can walk around sometimes and be, you know, the five lumen flashlight, just enough to see kind of what's going on in there. But when you recognize, first of all, how dark darkness is, and we're not talking about moonlit darkness. I mean, I try not to pull a you, but like when I'm out on my property at night, <laughs> it's dark, and particularly <laughs> in the season, you know, it's dark. And it's amazing what just a small flashlight will do. To, to your sensibilities, to your peace, to whatever in those moments. And so what I don't think that we have an option to do is to not expose. Uh, I think in all of our conversation, our fruitful conversation, our life-giving speech is to shine lights. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we have an option to not do that. Because if you are in Christ, you're light. You can't help it. Yeah. So – I the the aspect of us having enemies i'm not walking around looking to sh- kill everyone and and you know million candle like them what i am trying to do though is make sure that when i leave each situation i've spilt light on them yeah they know where the light is if they need to come to it mm-hmm. so th- that's that's the challenge and so when we talk about you know the enemies in a broad sense we're talking about what you did you know hollywood the state uh, muster the culture our, our apostate people those types of things we know there are enemies we have explicit marching orders to put them down yeah those people that are in your life you have explicit orders to shine light on them yeah yeah that's good uh I'll, we can leave it with this example i was at uh, a family gathering recently and a distant relative of of one of my nuclear family peoples uh <clears throat> Asked me, sat down, and I know this person does does not go to church. They grew up in a in a I think a relatively Christian home. Um, at least was exposed to to gospel truths. And um, I was asked this question: So, what do you think about the chosen? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I probably would have chosen. No pun intended. Uh, a way to uh, get out of answering that question had it not been so pointed. What do you think about? So, and I don't have any good thoughts about it. Um, so I couldn't lie. Like kind thoughts or like actual thoughts? No, I have lots of thoughts about it. I don't have any <laughs> good thoughts about it. So, um, so that it was like, so do I. Do I distract and divert uh, to something else <laughs> or, or I just nod my head, oh yeah and then lie right yeah. I can't do that I'm I'm not above you I don't walk think there's... around like Dale Gribble with sand in your pocket pocket <laughs> sand throw it in their eyes and disappear <laughs> That's right. I, I, and I have no problem uh, diverting to something else I, I don't have any moral conundrums there um, but I so I chose to I believe to be light that was my goal in that moment 
and and I won't go in here into uh, into what I said, but well, I, l- let me guess. I told I started off with, I probably don't have the most popular opinion here. Well, you would. Uh, <laughs> there's the, the, this is a this is a fantastic example though of like when we would bite our tongue, like that may cost you more than you're willing to pay to that person. Not that you don't want to lose respectability, but that you would rather spend on a different effort with them. Exactly. That's, that's called prudence. And that's, that's everywhere. Like yeah. you, you don't have to shine that million candlelight on everything. Yeah. This is when you would adjust. It's a perfect example. Cause you, some people, uh, in my family, I would want to go after that pretty hard and others I'd be like, yeah, I'll just kind of entertain this. Cause I want to spend my points on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do that in pastoring. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I I chose in this moment to to engage, but engage in a way that highlighted it took the focus away from the chosen because mm-hmm. that, that's part of the problem here. Yeah, and I took, generally I took the focus to the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and then my uh, wife joined in from the other side of the room uh, to to shine the candle on the right thing Mm -hmm. um and that was god's law and the importance of knowing god through his word Mm -hmm. and not through some hollywood interpretation of Mm it um and you know so on and so forth so yeah that there's times i think the the thing is you got to really assess what are my motives and I think most of us are are concerned about being liked. We're concerned about not ruffling feathers. We're concerned about um, being agreeable or peaceable, or and we're only defining compassionate as that in, way. In one way. And the thing is, is if compassionate, if you're defining compassionate as as being liked and respectable, then who are you actually being compassionate? Man, if they really liked you and respected you, you'd see them more than once a year. So go out there, spend your points. You don't have to see them again until next year. <laughs> well, you know, some of us have adopted that. I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to see you for another 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, there we go. Well, thanks for joining us. Do you know how to end this? this? I don't know how to end this, huh? I was going to wing it. Do your best. Thank you for being part of the <laughs> podcast you really do check out when you're done don't you <laughs> go know love and obey jesus as lord over all see you next week amen, amen.